you recall that movie? He had I'm a, very familiar with the. He had, he had the psych system with all the yeah. 40, 42 wow, indexes. What what that's good. That's what I'm gonna do. So. Swipe Right Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock, episode 48 here. And you heard that on the open. It's the psych system. My model from last week, four and one. A much needed four and one for myself. Our expert guest, the doctor, another winning week for him at three and two. So I encourage you guys, um, if you are not, to stick around for that NFL segment. But first, of course, it is the CFB DFS portion of the show where I try to identify some random 3K receiver who I convince myself will catch three or four passes and potentially a touchdown. Let's try it again this week, starting now. All right, welcome in one and all. Happy to have you here. It is a week nine in college for the CFB DFS day slate. And I think it's a 13-game board with Wisconsin now out due to COVID. So let's jump in and try to get through this as quickly and efficiently as possible. First game is Texas at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is minus three and a half, over under 58. The first note I wrote down here is Joshua Moore or Bust at wide receiver for Texas? Question mark. So I think, look, it's a projected kind of 31-27-ish game here. Um, One of the tougher defenses in the Big 12 this season in Oklahoma State that Texas is facing. And it puts Texas with that script on pace for about three three TDs or so like that. Um, So I don't know. I don't know that I want to pay for the rest of the receiving core that's been um, very up and down and inconsistent in terms of their production week to week. And again, even guys like Jake Smith, who I think has a lot of potential, a lot of upside in most weeks, I don't know that this is a spot where I want to pay for it, even though I think he's at a great price, I think at around 4800 So I'd consider him, but other than that, I think Joshua Moore is the only guy who just consistently is making big plays and has the best touchdown upside for Ellinger at quarterback. Speaking of Ellinger, I don't know that he's going to be worth the price that you have to pay for him this week in that said tougher matchup in the Big 12 um, with Oklahoma State's defense. So probably going to um, stay away from him at the expensive price. Running backs receivers just all over the place week to week right now. So I said what I had to say there. Let's move over to the Oklahoma State side of things. Spencer Sanders is back at quarterback full-time for OSU. I think he's interesting at 6,600 against a Texas defense that I still, even though they were a little bit better this last week, I think that had more to do with Baylor's offensive line issues, but we'll get to that. Anyway, Sanders, his line last week, he had a 15-71-1 TD rush line, so I think he just puts a little bit more upside on this offense with throwing and his running ability that the other quarterbacks did not have. And um, with those rushing stats, again, offers a, a nice upside with his own play in DFS. So I think at 6,600, he's one of the 
more sensible plays to pay down for at the position this week. Also, Tylen Wallace's ceiling now as high as ever with him back. Uh, and he's going to be competing probably for the top receiver on the board week in, week out, moving forward, as long as Sanders is the guy there at quarterback and healthy. Other options on that offense, Dylan Stoner, Brandon Johnson, and Landon Wolf, all probably safe for one to two catches. Decent touchdown upside in a plus matchup. Um, I think my pick, if I had to pick one between those guys, would be Dylan Stoner, but um, they're all good prices and uh, they're all reasonable candidates in that range to consider. Another note I made for the Cowboys was Jelani Woods is a tight end in real life. I think DK has him listed at RB. I don't know if that's really makes it helpful or, or worse. I don't think it really helps him necessarily, but he's someone kind of interesting to watch that maybe if Sanders is back, they can get him more involved and have more of a playbook open. He's a huge tight end. I think, don't quote me on this, I think he originally came there to play quarterback, um, but he's just a really big guy, athletic, like something like 6'7", 260. Anyway, he had, a, I think, a three catches and a touchdown last week, so maybe he gets more involved as the season moves along here. They add to their weapons on offense, which they really do need. Outside of Chuba and Tylen Wallace, there really is no consistent um, weapon that they have. So I think he's just an interesting guy to watch here moving forward to see if he uh, expands his role there. So that's that game. Let's move on to Memphis at Cincy. Cincy's minus six and a half, over under 55. The big story on the Memphis side, DeMonte Coxie opt out a few weeks ago. The value has been on the rise for Kelvin Austin III and Taj Washington at receiver as a result. Over the last two weeks without Coxie, uh, CA3 has 15 catches, 335 yards and three scores. Washington, 12 catches, 208 yards and two scores. I would probably temper my expectations a bit this week in a tougher matchup with the Cincinnati defense, but uh, their prices are still in the range where they can return value most weeks um, at the reasonable price. So I like those two. Those are the guys that target for the coaxy factor being out. Uh, the rest of the running backs are kind of the same. I think it's Clark and uh, Kylan Watkins. Not a big opinion there. Their prices are okay, but again, tougher matchup. Probably the toughest matchup defensively in the American Athletic Conference that these teams are going to face. Um, and that is why I think Brady White's price, a little bit ridiculous. I know it's because of what he's been doing the last couple weeks, but they should be willing to adjust it, um, just like they do in NFL games for the college guys, because um, no one, I, I would just say, do not play Brady White. I think it's like 9,700. So um, probably going to be a, a tougher game for them. On the Cincy side, I probably would play Desmond Ritter overweight, uh, just as in terms of price. If I had to choose between the two quarterbacks in this game, doesn't mean I love Ritter, but he had a big rushing game last week, and I think that's kind of the upside with him. I don't really, or never really trust him with his throwing ability, and that also ultimately puts some ceiling on this offense as a whole. But um, he does have some explosiveness with his rushing ability. I don't think he's going to get 180 yards like he did last week or probably ever again, but it just adds a little bit of uh, spice to his upside that you would look for. And, and I think it's a really good matchup as well as with Memphis, who's not really interested in playing defense against anybody. Um, which brings me to Jared Dokes. Plus matchup, the role, the script combo, all of it. Um, great play here this week. I think goes without saying. And the wide receivers for Cincy are all touchdown dependent with until proven otherwise, you know, I just don't... Alec Pierce was his first time playing last week. That game was such a 
crazy game flow with Ritter having all those rushing touchdowns and all those big running plays. So didn't really get to see them execute long drives that much in that game. Um, and it got out of hand, really, against, uh, I believe it was SMU. So um, I can't trust the receivers right now. And right now, to me, they're all just touchdown-dependent guys. Don't even really have an opinion on the volume there. So let's move on to BC at Clemson. Clemson minus 31, over under of 61. So we have a 46 to 15-ish script projected here. I think we can clearly go out on BC. No one really has been able to do much against the Tigers anyway. I mean, I think there are some options with BC that you might think are reasonable, but this Clemson defense just tends to suffocate everyone. And the game flow gets so whacked out that in the third quarter, the other team's just like, can we leave now? So we're out on BC. Um, no real new developments on the other side with Clemson. I think Amari Rogers continues to be mispriced a bit at wide receiver. He probably should be in the mid-7K range week to week. Um, Frank Ladson Jr., FL2, one of my favorite price floor ceiling um, guys in his price range, I think continues to be around 4,500 as just kind of that secondary wide receiver right now with Clemson. And then, um, yeah, I think EJ Williams, like I said last week, him and Joseph Nagata worth considering as dart flows. So nothing more really to talk about there. We know Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence are good. Okay, great. Let's move on to Iowa State at Kansas. Uh, Iowa State is minus 28 over under 52 and a half. Also nothing to report on the Cyclones. It's a Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Hutchinson, and Kolar or out. That's just kind of the deal. I think the prices are fair um, with all these guys, especially in the matchup. I know Brees is a really steep price, but we talked about Kansas. It's so bad there. And um, yeah, I think he's going to have a field day. I'd love Hutchinson and Kolar at their prices as well. And Purdy's even um, in a nice spot here to have a big day. So uh, maybe consider stacking this offense. Hmm. Maybe a good notion. Let's move to the other side of the ball. As stated, Kansas blows still. So we're out. Again, it's like a 40 to 12-ish script. They might not even score a touchdown. So, um, you know, let's just move on to Virginia Tech at Louisville. Vatek is minus three and a half. Over under of 67. Now this is the game we want to target. Very intriguing for obvious purposes. The back and forth projected shootout. And I think anyone burnt on Vatek last week, like myself, uh, do not hesitate to jump back in on the Hooker-Herbert stack. That's Hendon Hooker and Khalil Herbert for uh, Virginia Tech, the quarterback and the running back. I think um, they still make a ton of sense here. And I, I'm probably going to have a lot of lines with that stack in there. Other than that, Trey Turner, I think, at receiver worth considering at 3,800, kind of as, you know, just one of those, you know, 4K range-ish guys who can have, you know, a 550 catch, maybe a touchdown in a, in a big high-scoring contest. So on the other side, Louisville, similar to the Cyclones. It's the pecking orders established at quarterback. It's Malik Cunningham, J.B. Hawkins at running back, and Tutu Atwell. Um, yeah, and look, same thing I said for Vatek. Hammer away. Like, I, there's not a whole lot to say. I think you can even take this game itself and bookend it with the quarterback and the running back. Maybe even get a little Atwell and Trey Turner in there and just hope you capture and double up on like three or four offensive scores from each side. It's possible. So um, I think that's a good strategy this week. You know my thoughts on that game. Let's get out to the next one. Ole Miss at Vandy. 
Ole Miss minus 17 over under 64. The Flying Kiffins have the solidified trio as well. Matt Corral at quarterback. Their stud Elijah Moore. And then Jaren Ely at running back. Secondary receivers, Kenny Yaboa, Dontario Drummond, and Jonathan Mingo. Pretty much touchdown dependent week to week right here. Could be a good week to maybe throw one of them out there with someone like that profile because Ole Miss is probably going to get uh, a lot of points. I think they're projected to score 40 um, with their with that old runner. So, uh, also Snoop Connor, the RB2 in Ole Miss. I think there's some value there. He gets about 15 to touches in a plus matchup. Uh, you can always do damage with that kind of volume. So, um, I think he's someone to consider on the low end at running back. On the other side, out on Vandy? Question mark I have. Look, if there was ever a week, Ole Miss would be it, right? So then, if if you are to play Vandy, who's it going to be? Well, I think you need to know the status of running back. Jivian Marlowe, is he going to play? Is he not? I think last, even if he does, last week, uh, Kian Henry Brooks was listed as a starter. He played well. Only real brightish spot in that entire offense last week in the loss against South Carolina. He had 93 yards on 17 touches, including that with four passes caught. So, um, look, I don't think they're going anywhere this season. I think they're going to play the best players and get guys in you know, for the future that I think can help them um, long term. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Keon Henry Brooks just was the guy moving forward, at least temporarily, until he shows that someone else needs an opportunity. And I think he's at 3,700, so I would consider him if you're uh, kind of paying down or you want to pay down at a position like that is a guy who could have a sneaky upside this week against, you know, really, it's got to be one of the worst uh, defenses in the SEC, and everyone just kind of, ever kind of gets a turn against these guys. So um, other than that, Cam Johnson at 4,200 might have decent value at receiver as well. So let's move on to Kansas State. At West Virginia, West Virginia minus three and a half, over under 46. And uh, with Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn and Briley Moore, only playable options this week in a tougher matchup and kind of low projected scoring game. I'll probably avoid them altogether just because I think, especially in the case of like Vaughn, I think at his price now, there's just better favorable games to target with running backs of equal ability and similar prices that just have a lot more favorable spot to be in higher projected scoring games. So probably out altogether on the on um what's Kansas State what are they are they the Tigers too? Kansas State Bearcats? What what Cincinnati? What am I I'm just, I'm gonna stop talking. Let's move on to West Virginia. Uh, so I have kind of the same take with Letty Brown. I just think there's better matchups and game projection out there for that price. Um, at their prices, wide receivers Sam James and Bryce Ford Wheaton I think are worth considering, but um, kind of a similar take that you know I, I kind of would rather go with games like you know Louisville and Virginia Tech like we talked about. And there's a couple more, at least one more coming up. In fact, it's the next one, a much better game. LSU at Auburn over under of 65 LSU minus the three. So now we have this kind of mid thirties shootout game script um, on the LSU side with the running backs. I think you're looking at a 50, 50 timeshare, um, maybe the entire season between Tyrion Davis price and John Emery jr. I don't really see this changing. 
I think both have value in a plus matchup here, um, but you're going to pay, I think, about you know 58 for one of them and 6100 for the other. So um, I think they can, both can work. They're both going to get around, you know, probably 15 to 20 touches. And it's a it's a really good matchup, like we mentioned. You know, Auburn's given up a lot of yards and points to other teams, probably lesser um, capability offensively. So the wide receivers for LSU, only reliable ones so far week to week has been Terrace Martell Jr. I think freshman tight end slash wide receiver Eric Gilbert is my favorite secondary option at receiver in this offense at 4,100. Um, he just has crazy capabilities, and you know it's just going to get better. He's one of the highest, high, highly, uh, 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 most highly recruited guys coming into this season. So um, I think they're going to do all kinds of things to try to get him the ball, especially in the red zone. Uh, if you need it, Corey Moore, 3K, caught three passes for 34 yards last week, just saying. And also, just a note, Miles Brennan, who is the QB one, likely not playing again. Uh, TJ Finley was fine last week. I think he threw for like 240-some yards, two touchdowns, a pick. And then he also, I think, had a rushing touchdown in like 20-some yards. So a little bit more athletic than Brennan. Maybe adds a little bit more of an element there in that offense. But I think he'll be fine this week against Auburn as well. On the Auburn side. So I think nothing as much has changed with Auburn, kind of similar to uh, we talked about Iowa State. It's the established kind of one, two, three, Bo Nix at quarterback. Tank Bigsby now, I think, has um, a stranglehold on RB1 there. And then Seth Williams is the clear wide receiver one. I think he's still undervalued, I think around like 6K. I think he should be probably closer to seven, especially in um, juicier matchups like they have this week. Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove. Stove are the possession volume guys at receiver. A little more touchdown dependent, but um, they will get probably the more more intermediate possession, you know, 10, 15 yard, third down pickups, all that stuff. So um, someone to consider there. They have pretty good prices. And then running back Sean Shivers did come back last week. I uh, heard from injury, had an 1161 line. Uh, he's at 3,900. So again, Someone maybe like a Snoop Connor to consider if you're looking for an RB2 with some value and a good matchup that doesn't kill your bankroll. Uh, so let's move on to the next game, the game I don't want to talk about at all. It is my Michigan State Spartans, or what is left of that program, at U of M. U of M is minus 25 over under 53. So again, here we have a 39 to 14-ish script here. Maybe Jaden Reed or Jalen Naylor for wide receiver at Michigan State. But again, probably just out altogether. I mean, they really, they might not score. Um, that's how bad this is right now. And I think, especially against someone like Michigan, who um, has one of the better defenses in the Big Ten, I just don't think um, it's a good spot for them this week for a variety of reasons. So um, on the other side, Look, still a lot of hatred for Michigan, but I don't discriminate CFB DFS. No. I call this emotional hedging. Or like people call it like hate watching. Like you hate watch a show. This is like a hate play. It's like playing Bryson or Patrick Reed in golf when I play them. So for Michigan, I love Zach Charbonnet. At 5,200, I think both him and Hassan Haskins have potential for big days. Um... And all the rest of them, look, Joe Milton, the quarterback, play them all. 
wide receivers still take some time to work out. That Minnesota game flow was all whacked out, so we didn't see a ton of long sustained drives where we could get an idea of who are going to be the main guys at passing. However, this is the, the area of the world that I live in. So I have, you know, different friend groups or, you know, Michigan people. I'm also Michigan State. And so according to my insider, who knows more about Michigan football players than his own family members, that's not an exaggeration. This guy's obsessed. His guy, he says is going to be the next big thing at receiver for Michigan in that program. Giles Jackson. So just, just so you know, that's the insider knowledge I got. Take it for what it is. Um, but yeah, look, I think I think Michigan's going to be a big team of focus this week for the CFB DFS community just because this may be a spot where, you know, it's a rival. Harbaugh, there's no love loss between him and Michigan State. This might be a spot where he just, you know, gets into the fourth quarter they're up by 40, and he just goes, no, we're keeping all the guys in. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. And it's just going to be uh, going to be a bloodbath out there. It's probably going to be anyway, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe uh, punch an extra one or two in there just to kind of go, eh, have a day, guys. So, all right, you know my feelings there. Let's move on to another Small 10 game. More new blood in the contest. It's Indiana at Rutgers. Indiana's minus 10 and a half over under 52. Now, the first thing I want to say is I think QB Michael Penix Jr., possibly my favorite pay down spot at that position this week. Um, always really liked him. think he's really talented, and this is a uh, plus matchup here against Rutgers. Other thing I have written down here is I, I've been waiting to play WAP Filior. Um, for weeks here, he's at 5,400. He can have crazy, like, double-digit upside, uh, double-digit, like, catch upside, I, I should say. And um, I think this is, again, not just a great matchup, so someone I would definitely consider at 5,400. Miles Marshall had four catches for 46 yards in their opener last week as well. He's at 4,300. I think some solid value, again, in a good matchup. On the other side, holding off on the Scarlet Knights for this week for me. I know they had some good statistical performances against Michigan State last week, but one thing you have to understand about that game is three of their five touchdown drives were one yard, 23 yards, and 26 yards. They only had 276 yards of total offense in that game. It was a case where Michigan State turned the ball over a ridiculous seven times, and that's what kind of, you know, that's what determined the game. So um, I didn't know that was even possible, but um, apparently... This is Michigan State in 2020. This is where we're at. Awesome. So, all right, I'm off on Rutgers this week. Want to see one more uh, kind of normal game from them to see kind of what to make of their offense. Let's move on to Notre Dame at Georgia Tech. Notre Dame is minus 20, over under of 57 and a half. All I have really on the G-Tech side is it's Jameer Gibbs or bust for me this week. Um, Jeff Sims, just too inconsistent to make any sense of wide receivers value as well. So, um, I think this is a tougher matchup for them and something where I don't really want to take a gamble with um, Sims, who just has been really erratic and also makes kind of trying to pick and choose the receivers, even though I think Jalen Camp is good. It's just the quarterback play is so all over the place that I can't really – I think I have better options elsewhere, I'll just say. 
So let's move over to Notre Dame. I think pretty straightforward with them as well here. Uh, great spot for Ian Book and Kyron Williams to eat this week. I think they are in line for big games. And the one new thing is Northwestern grad transfer last week um, at wide receiver Ben Skoranek had two catches for 107 and two touchdowns. And he is very different from a lot of their receivers currently on their roster. He's a bigger guy, 6'3", 220. Um, you know, plays the outside a lot like like a Chase Claypool or a Miles Boykin did for Ian Book the last couple years. And I'm always looking at this team coming into the season, like who's going to be that guy to be Ian Book's clear-cut wide receiver one that he looks to for the big plays. And look, it was two long touchdown catches last week, but maybe it's a start of something where Skolernet can emerge as some something closer to a wide receiver one because no one really has yet this year. We know Ian Book has ability to uh, take talented guys and make them very productive. So uh, I think pretty highly of him as a college quarterback. So I'm going to kind of um, monitor this here with Skolernet to see if he can continue to make big plays in this offense and be that de facto wide receiver one for Book. The other guy is Javon McKinley, who I like as a target in the 4K range at wide receiver uh, because of, I think, his potential upside week to week. And he's one of their more athletic guys who just hasn't been able to stay healthy a lot. But he can make big plays. He had a game earlier in the season, I think it went for like five catches, 105. Um, so... I think those are two guys I'd be interested in other than Kyron Williams in this offense, but that's about it right here, right now, this week. So let's move on to, we have two games left. TCU at Baylor. TCU minus two and a half, over under 48. You know I like Max Duggan, but I think there's better option at this position in that price range this week. Some of the guys I talked about who I'd rather play than him already. I'd rather play Penix Jr., rather play Bo Nix. Book, uh, Spencer Sanders even? Quite, probably, actually, yeah. I think I would. Um, it's just a, it's just a lower projected scoring game, and um, he's also he can be very inconsistent, uh, like he was last week. RBs on TCU not playable still in my mind. I just there's nothing to make out of it. And Duggan also has a big um, impact on the running game. He uses his legs a lot. They do a lot of RPOs on the goal line, and Duggan usually likes to call his own number. So. Um, can't play anyone there at running back. Tay Barber, only reliable week-to-week option at wide receiver right now. I think Quentin Johnson makes some sense, but again, not the week I, I think I'm willing to pay some of those prices for um, TCU wideouts besides Barber. So on the other side, I'll repeat what I said last week for Baylor. I like the val- I like the value coming from this offense. Now last week it didn't look great. Uh, they did have a bunch of Offensive line issues. I don't know if it was due to just COVID or there were other injuries as well, but their line was reshuffled. It was all over the place, and you could tell all day long it had a a big impact on, I think, the plays they could call. I think Brewers' time in the pocket. They had to get rid of the ball super quick. They just couldn't execute like they wanted to. Brewer also himself kind of had a kind of an off day. So I still think it's in there. I think they're capable. Uh, based on kind of what they were able to do last season with a very similar crew besides Denzel Mims is the only one gone. Uh, So, look, Thornton, I thought he was a good play last week. I still think he's a good play. He did lead the team with like 10 or 11 targets, so 
They tried, they just couldn't connect a lot on some of their intermediate throws. Fleeks, Josh Fleeks, that is, at wide receiver 3,600, RJ Seen at 5K. Also, I think these guys um, all have value. Thornton continues to be my favorite one, uh, but we'll see as the season goes along if that changes. So let's get out of... Well, before we get out of there, I'll just say to Tristan Ebner, I think he's like 5,500. I think John Lovett, is, the other running back, is all the way down to... Um, I think around 4,000. And look, it was a bad game, and they have bad weeks, and especially in this season, that's super weird. Sometimes you just chalk it up and go, hey. Uh, but I, I don't think you just want to ignore them all of a sudden because of that. I think their their prices will continue to go up as they play uh, throughout the season. Let's move on to the last game, Georgia at Kentucky. Georgia minus 13, over under 42. Kind of a game script here of... 27 to 13-ish. So, likely out altogether on this game, frankly. Um, I think there's similar, even better prices in much more favorable games. So, I, I don't... This is not a game I want to target a ton. Maybe Zamir White at running back for Georgia. Uh, but the receivers I'm just going to avoid. But Kyrus Jackson and Pickens are the only ones even worth considering. Stetson Bennett at quarterback, I have to say... The one time I saw him was the Alabama game, the night game a couple weeks ago. And it was a little bit shocking to me because the dude looks like an eighth grader. And especially when he's on the field with like Bama caliber athletes, I, I would be, if I was a Georgia fan, I would be not happy with the fact that this is what we have at quarterback. Do you really think we're going to beat teams like Bama or Clemson or Ohio State even? Um, if this is what we're putting out there. And again, it's nothing against the kid. I'm sure he's a wonderful man. Um, and the story is really good. Uh, I, I know he went to like Juco, back and forth, and uh, it says a lot about him, but um, this is Georgia. Like, you're in the duffel bag tier. Like, you got, if you can't get guys like Fields, which they did, I know they had him, but you gotta reload, and you gotta be reloading that position pretty well there. So, uh, I don't know. I just saw, like, this is their quarterback? I, it just, it's bizarre to me. Anyway, uh, out on him. <laughs> and uh, on the Kentucky side, Terry Wilson has been ruled out already at quarterback for Kentucky. So what's the impact? Is it going to be Sawyer Smith? Is it going to be Joey Gatewood, the, the Auburn transfer? My guess would be Gatewood. Does it even matter? Uh, this is going to be... Again, their projected score 13-ish points, I think, before Wilson was ruled out. So, I don't know. There's just not a lot of upside on this offense week-to-week as it is. And now they face a Georgia team that's one of the better defensive teams um, in the country, really. So, um, it's just a void altogether here. And just uh, wait wait till a favorable matchup to uh, spend money on Kentucky guys. That is the board. You did it. I did it. We did it. Thank you for listening. NFL segment starting now. Okay, it is week eight in the NFL. I am joined as always by uh, our expert guest, Doctor. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing well, Bob. Congrats on a big week last week for you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the psych system, the metric worked out. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing week two of it. 
yeah, we got there's some interesting tidbits from it. Um, I think some things will surprise you. I'm definitely going to uh, play off it a little bit in my picks. And let's talk about um, last week. I was four and one. We both had uh, the one loss was Cleveland, which we both had lost by an extra point there in the half point. Kind, kind of uh, lucky, kind of unlucky yeah. in that game altogether. So, yep. Um, but whatever. Uh, on the season, scratching, climb my way back to 500. Now I'm 14, 19, and two. Uh, Doctor, another winning week for you. Last week you were three and two. Uh, on the season, it puts you at 19, 15, and one. Any other thoughts besides uh, Cleveland from last week? Oh, the Lions game obviously was was quite interesting. <laughs> yes. All of that, which you know, from the spread perspective, uh, you know, if Atlanta <laughs> kicks a field goal, you don't cover the spread. So you're thinking, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get it anyway. Then they score, and I go like, oh, recover, and of course. Uh, I'll talk a little more about uh, the drive uh, shortly, but of course the Lions go down and score. So from a gambling perspective, um, you know, pretty pretty wild stuff. And then you know, Lions get to get to three and three when they when they shouldn't be there. So, uh, but but pretty interesting. That was a wild. You know, you had Cleveland going on then. Uh, you know, you had Detroit happening. I think there was one other wild finish that was going on. It was pretty pretty crazy. Uh, you know, witching hour as they call it. <laughs> the witching hour. Uh, yeah, the only way. An Atlanta-Detroit game could end, really. The only way. Uh, all right. Let's talk uh, ATS 10 trends through seven weeks. Favorites versus underdogs. Uh, favorites are 44, 53, and 3 on the season. Home versus road teams. Home teams are 46, 56, and 2. Uh, kind of similar to trends last year a little bit, uh, taking dogs and, and road teams. Home favorites, 27, 38, and 1. Home dogs, 17, 17, and 2. Substantial favorites we consider to be of 7 or greater are 18, 17, and 2 against the spread. There are outright losses on the season from those substantial substantial favorites are 5 total. There was 0 last week. This week, we have 14 games as of right now. 8 home favorites, 6 home dogs, 3 substantial favorites in the form of the Chiefs, Tampa Bay, and the Eagles. The Eagles slipping in the there Eagles. For, wow. for, some, for some obvious reasons, which we're going to talk about later. But um, why don't you start out with your first pick? What do you what do you see this week? What's the board looking like? Hey, the board is the board was clear this week. It was it was clear. <laughs> the model was clear. It has a lot of uh, a lot of similarities to last week, and I, I think will become trends going forward. But let's start uh, Indy at right. <laughs> Indy lane three. <laughs> so okay, so we talk about the drive. I mean, what a week for the Lions. Uh, I cannot get enough of the CDS, CDS lovers right now. You know, did you see the drive? Oh my gosh, MVP drive, MB, MVP caliber <laughs> player. Look, I get it was it was a great drive, uh, very well executed. I don't understand why people aren't asking the question: If he's such an elite quarterback, how do the Lions only have 16 points against one of, if not the league's worst defense? That Falcon <laughs> team, that Falcons team had given up over 30. Uh, four times this this year including to your boys bdn and mitchie so you know as, as fun as it was as it was to watch uh you know same old same old cds story uh just a different year so detroit's still not very good uh the pick is indy minus three simply because detroit is not getting to to four and three um uh, if you need it if you need a little more, I mean, statistically, Detroit's in the bottom half on both offense and defense. They do nothing really well, right? There's a very basic team. On the other side, you got Indy uh, has one of the top-rated defense in all yards and scoring statistics. 
Um, and some people will be like, oh, Colts have played a cupcake schedule. Uh, might be true, but let's be honest. The Lions are, are a cupcake. So Colts continue. Uh, they are 5-0 and ATS in their last five games against opponents in the NFC North. That includes two this year, uh, both the Vikings and the Bears. They covered in those games. Uh, so Indy, minus three. I, I understand got? it. I understand it. I um you know, I, I removed the lines from this this whole thing just because I can't I can't stand a bet for them or against them. But um I well, understand I, got, it. I, I, I would guess in your like system that that would be one that emerged as a as a wide gap, I would guess. Not actually no. Oh um, okay. It, it has the Indies outranking Detroit by two point two points. Okay. So um, I think the reason for that too, it, that's kind of some of the things that don't show up in this a little bit that you have to take into account kind of what's happened more lately. Like for example, Tampa Bay coming into the last week was ranked 20th in rushing, but we could see the last like couple weeks they're getting that yeah. ground game going. So some of these season long statistics don't necessarily take into account recent trends. So it, you do have to kind of factor that in. And I think with Indianapolis, they are a little bit better uh, up front with their line right now, more healthy and Jonathan, uh, Taylor is, is coming around a little bit for their running game, but they rank really poorly in running. Defensively, they are uh, two in yards per yeah. game and, and four in defensive points. So I think that's going to be the real story there. I, I, I want to see how uh, your boy CDS fares against a, a defense like this because they're they're right now they're they're for real and they have you're supposed to I think getting Darius Leonard back uh, at linebacker is one of the best linebackers. So I I understand the pick. And uh, I, uh, I expect it to happen as well. Let's talk about the metric, though, Doctor. Right. I, I left San Francisco for dead about a couple weeks ago. I said you they're did. done. I said it's a, it's a Super Bowl hangover season. There's all these injuries. And it's just, you know, there's nothing you can do. It's not even their fault, necessarily. They just don't have their players anymore. Fast forward a couple weeks ahead. Where do you think they rank right now on this metric? And just to be real quick, just to be real quick, I have I rank every team four categories: rushing yards per game, defensive yards per game, defensive points, red zone touchdown percentage, and I apply my secret weighted average ranking for one composite ranking, and that is the metric I'm using to weigh these teams. So, where do you think they rank? Well, I mean, you're asking me, so I know it's I know it's <laughs> high. Um, I'm gonna say they are number five. They are number two, and wow, they they are in the only sucks. team. <laughs> and four and one last week. It's a winner. Uh, um, they, they're the only team in those four categories to rank inside the top 10 right now in the NFL. I, that's incredible to me, especially on the defensive side, because they lost basically their entire defensive line. And a lot of those guys are still are not back. So um, and a lot of them aren't coming back. So, look, um, you know how I feel about Seattle. I think, you know, the record-wise, they are – good but a lot of those games have been very close could have gone a lot either way a lot and i think that line tells you all you need to know like they're you're looking at seattle at home and you're thinking oh they just came off a loss tough loss on a sunday night i mean they're yeah. you know they're gonna bounce back uh no they're not it's uh it's the niners plus three is the pick and wow. they outweigh them in this ranking they outweigh them by eight point nine points yeah that's that's gotta be a big gap i, I imagine seattle is not uh not high in your ranking system they're in the middle, um, and, and really the, the thing that we've talked about with Seattle, too, is it's the defense. They're, they're, 30, they're, they're 32nd, which is dead DFL in yards, and they're 
24th in scoring defense. The one thing that lifts them up, obviously, is the elite quarterback play, which has them ranked number one in red zone touchdown percentage. Right. But, look, they, they just can't stop anyone. I'm scared of Jimmy G, but I think this is a week where, uh, you know, he can even cut loose a little bit. So, wow, uh, Niners plus three is the pick. Solid. All right. Well, um, you know, unlike our Lions, uh, my next game includes a team that is that is a real team this year, and it's the Raiders at the Browns. The Browns lay in two and a half. Uh, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. The Browns continue to kind of cement uh, their position as a playoff team and uh, not a joke. And I think they're going to do that again. Um, you know, this week. Uh, you know, if you look at last week's game, Baker. How about that start by Baker? I think it was 0 for five. Yeah. Uh, with a pick, I mean, just a complete disaster. You know, we have our, we have our group text going, and, and somebody just threw the Baker, <laughs> somebody just threw the Baker emoji out there and, and sent the stat line. I was like, holy shit, uh, that was bad. <laughs> but then you then you fast forward to the end of the game, right? Uh, twenty two of twenty eight, so only had one more incompletion after that start. Two hundred ninety seven yards, five TDs, uh, a lot of that without OBJ. So I mean, they're they are really. They're really humming along when they get it going. Um, so if you think uh, a defense like the Raiders have ranked 26th in total yards, 28th in passing yards, and 31st in points given up is going to stop this Cleveland team, no fucking chance. So, you know, oh, sorry for the language, Bob. But not not to mention <laughs> overall, the, Ra- the Raiders are trending in the wrong direction. I think a few weeks from now we're going to look back on this and go, how how did they beat the Chiefs? Like how did, I mean, we're kind of asking right. it now, but you're really going to ask it in a few weeks. Um, you know, a couple of quick ATS. The Raiders are one and three straight up in ATS uh, in their last four. And you can go ahead and move that to, to one and four after this week. Uh, and the Browns are three and oh straight up and two and one against the spread at home. So the pick is Cleveland minus two and a half. Yeah, I, I understand it. Um, I kind of stayed away there. I thought I thought the line might be a little higher for this game. I was a little surprised to see it at two and a half. Well, so I'm with you. I would have thought that too. And then, but I went to check the public betting to make sure there wasn't really getting hammered and it's not actually more people are taking taking uh the raiders as we sit here at this time interesting and i don't know if you you mentioned this a little bit but a lot of people were trying to make something out of that after obj went out how good baker was i just thought <laughs> i just thought it was interesting i was like i don't really know who knows so, well, hey we'll find out we'll find out this week yeah so um okay yeah that the uh, cleveland browns um I like everything you said there. I just chose to stay you away should. from that game. You should like everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is the prognosis. Um, all right. I'm just going to continue to roll with a certain team that I'm, uh, I'm high on. They also uh, lay out very well in the metric. It is the Rams of Los Angeles heading to Miami. I understand the uh, West, the East Coast, 1 p.m. bit. I do it all the time. I love it myself. But... Um, <laughs> I think I think this is a spot where they just kind of continue humming along in their season against. I think you know we talked about Miami's a, a decent team; they're average. But first NFL start for Tua has one of the best defenses in the league coming in with one of the most ferocious linemen in Aaron Donald. It's going to be a tough week, I think. Tough debut for Tua. I think in a very good career, but not maybe not the first game. I think maybe even Fitz, maybe even kind of went in and said, "Let's let Tua take this game." I think maybe it's part of his plan. So. Um, <laughs> I got nice. the Rams minus three and a half. I just think they keep it going. Not a ton of analysis. Obviously, they rank out very well um, in all those categories. They're the third highest ranked team in this metric, and uh, they have probably a 9.7 point advantage in the metric on Miami. So I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half. 
Nice. Bob, I'll give you some credit here. I mean, you, you, you reversed your position on uh, San Francisco. Yes. Obviously, re- you reversed your position on the uh, Rams from last year, Rams to Rams. So I think that's I think that's impressive that you're able to do that and, and uh, you know grow and, well, and learn. Doctor, as you as a doctor, you know that that's what adults do with more, with new information. <laughs> with new information, they change their minds. That's what we do. Do, do they though? Well, not, not, not all of them. Not all of them. No. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's what that's uh, what smart adults do. So, all right, go, go on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, third third pick for me. Uh, we're going Minnesota uh, at Green Bay. Uh, Vikings fresh off their bye week, traveling to to Lambeau as a six and a half point dog against the Pack. It's a rematch of uh, of Week One, where Green Bay beat them forty three to thirty four. Uh, and if you recall in that game, there was a lot of CDS. I, I mean. Uh, Captain Kirk garbage time in the fourth yeah. to get that closer than it should have been. So here we are, seven weeks later. Uh, Bob, I have a question for you. Over the last seven weeks, who would you say has earned your confidence and trust more, the Pack or the Vikings? Oh, well, it's not even. <laughs> I, it, this is going to play. This is going to play into this pick. But um, look, it, it's really about like I'm not sure what's happened. Kirk has never been great, but he's been brutal this year. So right. Um, so yeah, obviously the answer is the Pack. <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and that is the pick. Well, AR12 is a guy you can trust. He's starting to come into form. I know they had that hiccup uh, against Tampa Bay, but other than that, they've been they've been playing very well. And I was surprised again. I mentioned it in the, in the Cleveland game. I was also surprised here that more of the public wasn't hammering Green Bay. Uh, maybe that'll change on on uh, Sunday, but as of now, that's 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 what the model says. It's still a go. It's at. I got it at roughly 60% of the public on Green Bay. So not really getting hammered. Uh, and look, I know I know Delvin Cook is back. I think that will help some. I, I think you know, Kirk hasn't yeah. been great. You get in the run game, they'll do all right. But the problem is the the, uh, the Vikings' pass defense is just awful. It's uh, second yeah. to last in yards per attempt. It's DFL and adjusted yards per pass attempt. But don't ask me to explain that metric. But DFL there. <laughs> um they stink, and AR-12 has scored 30 or more in five of the six games. That's not going to change this week. Like, even if even if Minnesota is able to, you know, score on, on a very average Green Bay defense, I, Green Bay's defense will get enough stops to 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 cover up that, and, and, and AR-12 is going to have a field day. So, lastly, GB is uh, five and one against the spread this year. So, GB minus six and a half. All right, let's just make this quick because with everything you said, it makes perfect sense. I agree completely. And that is why I'm taking the Vikings because, as you know, I like to look at the board and go, who's the teaser yeah. candidate? <laughs> who's, who, would you like Green Bay minus a half point? Sure you would. So I it's, just kind of look at this. fair. Yeah. I'm just – no, like, look, I it's it's contrarian. That's all it is. I, I well, think if you're – go ahead. Yeah, I was going say, well, nor, so normally, as I mentioned, the, the public play, normally my contrarian view not only includes like a, a, a line that I think is – Weird, but also like a hammered public, which I'm just not yes. seeing. So maybe it will be on Sunday. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm on the Vikings. We're, we're just going to opposite there. That's fine. Uh, let's move on to speaking of teasers. If I gave you a three-team teaser of KC minus nine and a half, Philly plus one, and Tampa Bay minus a half point, is that something you'd be interested in? <laughs> that is that is something I would be very interested in. <laughs> and is where you're going. <laughs> You're going to the Meadowlands? Is that where you're going? No. So okay. which one's the loser? Which one is the loser? Which one would you say you think would be, might be a loser? Uh, Philadelphia's the loser. 
And that's why we're going Dallas plus nine. That is the reason. There there the picks. There's no football reason. They got some, you know, dude named Danucci. Danucci. Yeah, yeah. Ben Brad Danucci, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, we're going Dallas plus nine. Very simple. There's no point. No, there's no analysis needed. It's just everyone's going to need uh, Dallas for the house. So that's what we're going with. All right. Yeah, there's there's a there's a gun trainer one for you. All right, so it's kind of uh, same thing without much analysis here. I'm going to the Meadowlands TV, uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay, uh, <laughs> at the New York Giants laying ten and a half. Look, there's no stats to really cover here. T- Tampa Bay is great. Uh, the Giants stink. Uh, if you looked at all the statistics, that's what that's what I would say. The, the real thing here is it's just the continuation of TV 12 being back. Um, <laughs> I said it last week. I'm saying it again this week. He's delivered the goods in Tampa Bay. He's got a good defense behind him. Offense is pretty strong in the passing statistics. It's like you mentioned earlier today, the run game is starting to come together. They're third in scoring. So and these are these numbers are only going to get better. I mean, they are just starting to clip. I think we are trending towards a AR-12, the TV-12, NFC Championship <laughs> game, which will give us a rematch from a few weeks ago. Uh, but until that rematch, start riding this Tampa Bay TB-12 wave like he's back in Foxborough with uh, – with Bill and Shaq. So Tampa Bay minus 10 and a half. Back. Okay. Back. Every I, week. No. Back. Everything's I, <laughs> great. Uh, so I, we talked about last week and I said, so you think they're like a, a contender? And he said, yes, I do. And I wasn't, I was kind of partially there. And then over the weekend, you see him drop a bomb on another team and you go, is this just, you know, are they the favorite now? Especially if they get Antonio Brown back and he's not a complete psycho. Like, are they, is this the team to be? And Look, the magic is the guy. The magic is the guy wearing number twelve. It's <laughs> not. It's not. It's not the guy on the sideline in, in New England. Okay, <laughs> don't forget that. Oh wow! You should yeah. host a sports radio show. Oh my <laughs> That's god! So hot because it's so hot right now. <laughs> so so hot. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, well, and I think I think the other part of that too is you know, Dallas, Minnesota, Atlanta, and I think one other team, oh, Philly. I mean, I think. Everyone thought those were probably somewhat playoff teams, if not contenders. They're all terrible. I mean, there's yeah. there's no one there's no one left. It's like Tampa, Green Bay, New Orleans. I mean, I mean depending on your views of the NFC West teams, uh, maybe one of those teams. But I right. I would. But uh, it's there's there's really no one left. So they're there, man. Uh, I, I agree, they're there. So uh, all right, TB, your boy. My last pick. I just kind of looked at this board and I said I'm gonna go with a good team and take points and it's pittsburgh plus four and i usually look at bet on these games because i they're 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 kind of more fascinating just from a football standpoint i just kind of looking forward to this game in general but the way i look at it is this defense from last year that was one of the best in the league it's all back it's transferred over to this year with pittsburgh they always been able to run the ball effectively with john connor and, and a few more running backs there they're doing well all they were really missing last year when they almost made the playoffs with some guy named Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> um, they, all they were missing is a competent, healthy Ben Rosberger. He's back now. You see the results. And also, looks, appears, they may have found a the next star at receiver for their team in Chase Claypool. So uh, I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus the four points. I think what will be a very close, entertaining game. Um, that is my final pick. Nice. All right. Okay, for my final pick, we're going to go to one of my favorite cities where there sits a real deal 5-2 football team known as the 
Chicago Bears, Bob. <laughs> New Orleans traveling to Chicago. Chicago's plus four and a half. Um, you've been all over Chicago as frauds. Uh, I think it's fair to say they had a tough week last week. Uh, BDN, big stick Nick, did not look good. Uh, I don't see no. that happening. I don't see that happening twice, though, especially against what I see as an overrated um, defensive team like the Saints. If you look at uh, yards for the Saints D, they, they look pretty good. I think they're like in the top ten in, in, in yards. But they don't force turnovers, and teams are putting up a bunch of points on them. I think they're tied for last in turnovers and, like, fourth in points given up. So, uh, yep. at, at 28th, I should say, in points given up. Um, yep. So, their defense is, is not very good. This is a rebound game for, for BDN. Um, <laughs> other side of that is, look, the Saints, they're winning close games. Uh, their last three wins by a total of just 12 points against what I consider to be very average or below average football teams in the Chargers, Panthers, and Lydowns. So it's not like they're blowing teams out. Um, they've only covered the spread uh, once in their last five games. Uh, the Bears are four and three ATS this year. So I'm going Chicago plus four and a half uh, because I like them and just to stick it to you. <laughs> well, they are they are absolute frauds, and that proved out to be uh, last what was it Sunday night? I think. Uh, but um, well, what do you no, mean no, frauds? I mean, what are, what are we talking about here? Like they, yeah, they, you just were hyping the Rams, um, you know, earlier in your picks, and yeah, they had a tough night. I mean, what, it happens in the NFL. Well, they they basically got shut out. So I mean, they're I mean, five <laughs> and two. They're a five and two football team. Yeah, and they have some fraudulent win over Detroit that was ridiculous. And like it's just it's they're they're look they can't run the ball. They have a good defense, but it's not great, especially when you look at it going up against a team like the Rams who are confident offensively, basically did whatever they wanted. They get another so, chance to prove themselves this week against a very confident offense in New Orleans. Well, and this, I'll say, and this, going I'll say this. I was very close to going Bears right here. I was very close to this week. I, I, I almost did it because I was like, this is... You couldn't do it though, because you've been you've been too hard on them. I know I know it got your head. You've been no, too hard I, on them. You couldn't do it. because I, I think they stink and they do, and, and they can't they can't run the ball. And, and Nick Foles is Nick Foles. I mean, he's cute for a couple of games, but look, season long, it's just not going to work. So, all right, I think we are through. Our we are before before we close here. Okay. Uh, I need I need to bring something up. Uh, oh, God. It Big better Ten. not be about. It better not be Michigan State football. It Big not. Ten's football was back last year. You know exactly what it is, <laughs> oh Bob. I've, I've always, I've always uh, seen you as a very intelligent human being. Um, <laughs> but after text exchange last weekend regarding the Michigan State loss to to a Rutgers football team with uh, first year head coach, uh, also the Shiano Man. It, it, by the way, if you haven't seen that Barstool clip about the uh, Shiano Man with the Piano Man song, it is amazing. You, you need to go find it. They did it like three or four years ago, but it, it just resurfaced. I mean, it, it was amazing. Anyway, uh, so your intelligence, uh, very intelligent person, I always thought, um, but based on our text exchange uh, uh, last weekend, I wanted to see if you still believe that and if you are willing to share what you said uh, with the public. We're not doing this right now. No, I'm not doing this. We're <laughs> not doing this right now. What are we I, not doing? It's a no, it's a podcast. You're supposed to talk. We'll, we'll 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 do it some other time. I'm not ready to have this conversation because it, it is, it is this, there is a problem in this fan base right now, and they're getting delusional I, and ridiculous. And I'm not going to do it. There's no delusion in expecting a person that's getting paid five million dollars to put a product on I the think, field. I think it's six actually. Is it? <laughs> it's. <laughs> 
I made 20. Actually, no, it's 20 million, Jim. That's an Adam Sandler line, Jim Rome. Um, but anyway, that you can't expect to at least be competitive against what is seemingly going to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, and you know make make good game management decisions on when to go for it, when not to, and on those critical play calls, and then having a, a disciplined team not turn over seven times. That's all they're asking for. The, the, if you lose the game, that's it's. It's okay. It's the fashion they lost it, and it's unacceptable. And if you can't I, admit that to yourself, then you've got a problem. I never said it was acceptable. I, I oh, think I got it. Oh, I'm gonna screw these out. I, tweet, I, tweet I them never at, tweet said them at it was first. acceptable. Look, you never look, said listen, it wasn't acceptable. That's listen sure. to me. You never said when that. It, if it gets four or five games in, and it's some version of a clown show every single week like that, I'm willing to have the discussion that maybe this dude is clueless, and you might have a Matt Patricia situation on your hands. I will. Uh, I will make that. Admission, but yeah, right I'm not now, to say is clueless. That's not what. I, that's not what I'm trying to say. I, I hope he turns out to be a, a a great coach. It seems like an awesome guy. I'm just saying what happened on Saturday is unacceptable, and and he needs to make some quick changes. Oh, okay, fine. It, it it is unacceptable. I never said it was acceptable. Oh, I, I did. Go I back. Did. I'll have to check the chat log. Go go, I'll go to get check. my facts right and come back to you. We'll get it, but the, the point is, is this is something that people are not grasping about. This is this is one of the worst programs in the Power Five in the country at the moment. That's how bad it is, and that was how bad. No matter who was coaching this team, if D'Antonio came back, it wasn't going to matter. This team was always going to be worse than last year's team because of who was coming back and who was left on the roster. They're awful. And what do you think is going to happen tomorrow on Saturday? Well, that's a good question. That was going to be my next question. Let's make a prediction. What do you what? It's going to be 45 to 10. Damn it. Are you serious? That was my number. I'm not kidding. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. 45 to 10 was was going to say. Oh, so that's amazing. So it's, hey, if Harbaugh has, you know, who knows? He might want a 60 burger for these guys. I mean, it's, look, so, I mean, if we're saying that, what are you, what are we really talking about? You can't do it against Rutgers. You can't give up 39 to Rutgers or whatever they gave up. You can't do that. That's what you're not understanding is they are Rutgers. They are Rutgers. Now, right, right now, they okay, are. That's fine. Then compete against Rutgers. That's what I'm okay. asking. Compete and look competent. It, look like a was, competent football team. It was not competitive. It was, Don't give that it was, shit. It was, not it was competitive. competitive for a it while. Was not, you call that competitive. <laughs> it was not competitive. I, did, I didn't even watch. It's all garbage. Whatever. It's, I, I probably won't watch most of the season. Whatever. Anyway. All right. Thank uh, God that conversation. Well, I look over. forward to it. You know, I think we need a – I've had a lot of requests from fans that, you know, we need to bring up some Big Ten football topics. So we may need to work oh. a little five-minute session in. Dear uh, Lord, I, I I don't think I have the I don't think I could do this every week with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! All right, All man. Right. Well, hey, enjoy enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah, good luck for the election. All right. <laughs> good thing we avoided that. All right. All right. See you later. Sweet Jesus. It's going to be all season of this. I can already tell. I know no one cares, so I'm not going to keep talking about it. Whatever. Uh, All right. That is a wrap on episode 48. I want to say thank you for listening, and good luck with all of your uh, sweet action on Saturday and Sunday. See you next time.